Blog Talk Radio. I fight you, I fight myself, I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left, I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept, I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorstep, life's a living hell, puddles of blood in the street, shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief, earthquake, the body drop, the ground breaks, the poor run with smoke lungs and scar face, who need a hero, hero. you need a hero, look in the mirror, there go your hero, who on the front lines at ground zero, hero. my heart don't skip a beat even when hard times bumps the needle, mass destruction and mass corruption, the souls are suffering men, clutching on deaf ears again, rapture is coming, it's all prophecy, and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good, then that's what it gotta be. All powers to oppress people. African power to an African people, and black power to your brother, Chairman and Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, coming to you today. Good to be coming to you. Listen, man, I had to scare myself. We're living in that age of, you talk about paranoia. I'd come down with a stomach virus. I, I now believe what it was. And, uh, man, listen, if a Negro stubs his toe, he's going to holler about his carnivorous. We got the Ronas. Got the corona going on. So I man, I had the stomach virus almost like four days. I was down, uh, from diarrhea to vomiting and things of that nature. So I thought I was you talk about getting affairs and orders, prayers right for those that know me, know that uh at the very least I attempt to be a prayer warrior, but I am a strong believer in prayer, strong believer in the divine and uh I definitely believe in divine intervention. So I was calling on all of that. Praise the most high. I bounced back. So your boy is with you, man. Give thanks to the black God, to black Jesus, to Allah, black Allah, and everything black and good in our lives. Um, now let's talk about this COVID-19 and us. And that whole thing is what wanted me to really talk about it because, you know, we hear so much how it's affecting us physically and how now all of a sudden black people are the majority gaining it. And, and, and I'm one of those people that told you I don't like those told you so people. But this is that one of those moments, man, that I am so tempted to say that, that because, you know, for centuries, I can't even say years, for centuries we have berated, belittled, ridiculed, ostracized people from amongst us 
some even who I would dare say have achieved prophet status and called them crazy, called them uh, bigots, racists, for advocating, propagating separation. And they advocated and propagated separation based on, first and foremost, knowing the innate ability of black people, knowing the greatness that resides in us as a people, just innate, naturally. That in itself should make you want to separate from that which is, and I use this word inferior, but not in the sense of like this Caucasian uses as a white supremacy, black inferiority, everything's inferior. Therefore, you can cheat, you can rob, you can do all of these things to people. But I say inferior in the sense of really almost like in the sense of compassion towards, like, you know, your child is not in food. I don't even want to say it like our children, like a pet. You know, your pet is a pet. You still have to look out for the pet. So that type of thing. Um, so we look, can anyone, can everybody hear me? Let me see anymore. I'm hoping my mic is open. Let's see. Okay, I'm good. Mic is open. So, um, we. This is what I mean by this sense when we talk about this sense of in this sense of inferiority. Uh, so, based on just that, knowing the innate greatness of the black African here in America, knowing that, they advocated a self-determination and independence we should do for self. And then looking at the social conditions that we lived in, the threat, constant threat and risk and pain of death for no other reason that you're a descendant of one that was forced into a condition that they didn't volunteer, which is called slavery, uh, that after, even after this alleged atrocity, was supposed to be abolished, and black people were supposed to be free from this type of thing. We lived with the tyranny of Jim Crow, Jim Crow, and uh, just the whole racist bigot mentality of America. We've lived with that and continue to live with that. So they advocated doing for self, getting your own nation. Now it has come to the time where white people are killing us biologically. Uh, I don't know if y'all really heard me. Not only have they psychologically been a detriment to the black man, physically been a detriment to us, but now biologically. So for those of you that even would love to be around them, your every earnest desire would be able to wave and go barefoot through the ponds and tiptoe through the tulips with this devil. He or she is biologically killing you. Now, the option, I don't think that there's much of an option at this point. I don't think that there's uh, much discussion that needs to be had about our continuous assimilation, integration, this whole farce of multiculturalism for the sake of, especially for people who don't have a solid culture that they themselves have agreed upon to go talk about cultural exchange with other people who culturally dominate and suppress you and oppress you. That's right, cultural oppression. 
Look, go find any mirror. I'm looking by a mirror right now. Go to the nearest mirror. Go look at your black, thick, lived, big nose, beautiful self. And tell yourself you're beautiful. But catch what language you're telling yourself you're beautiful in English. It's cultural oppression. Why don't you speak a language that is native to you? Why don't you speak a language that complements, a, na- a language that is an accessory, a language that really aids and is for the purpose of what language is for, and that's communication. It's hard for us to even communicate in this foreign language. Don't you find us adding all kind of what we would call slang and stuff to it, like you feel me, you dig, you understand, you see where I'm coming from, to bring home and to emphasize, to either reiterate or to get an assurance or an understanding from the person that we're in the conversation with that you actually do know where I'm coming from. If we spoke a language that was familiar to us like that, then we wouldn't have to go through all of these extra things. In fact, I'm willing to guarantee that you and I wouldn't experience as many problems that we have even in our intimate relationships with our loved ones because we would communicate in a language that's familiar. So if anything that COVID has done for me, if anything that COVID has done for me, it has begun to get me to reevaluate my relationship with people other than us and the relationship that we have with one another. And I think these are things that are very important. We're still, I, I listen, I don't downplay this thing. I tell you, when I say that I was sick and the first thing going through my mind was COVID-19, I can't reiterate that enough. You know, I can't reiterate that enough. So that's how serious it is. I'm taking it serious. The problem that I'm having with everything going on is I don't see how we're addressing it communally. I'm not saying let's not look at this thing globally, let's not look at it internationally, but how are we addressing it communally right there in our locale? Shit is serious. Mm-hmm. You got to think what you're trying to get my liquids and everything going, still trying to get over some things. So one of the things, not only as I spoke before, people have seen my live and heard me talk about this, uh, that it is done, and how so it doesn't surprise me that this is just so white-related and that it affects us the most, because just like anything white people are and do, we are the ones that are affected the most, even in its way that it's designed. Like you've heard me say before, um, it's designed to separate you, then kill you. Isn't this what this devil does? He separates us, divides us, divide and conquer. The whole Willie Lynch manifesto or the Willie Lynch letter, regardless of its factuality or not, I think the message in it is still a very potent, important, and relevant message to this day because we see, like I said, factual or not, we can see those things. So I think that it's it's worth the study. So I still use it as a reference point because Willie Lynch is there. We are divided, and they've been doing this. And any time you begin to come together, any time you start to see the perils, you begin to unify the solid mass because they put Trump in your face. That woke you up. They hit us with a sleeper with President Barack Obama, no disrespect to President Obama. No disrespect, big buddy. No disrespect to President Obama. Why? Because, listen, I don't expect a boxer to go fight Karate Man. Karate Man will kick the boxer. 
Boxer fight boxing style. Karate man fight karate style. President Obama was a politician. His battleground wasn't the battleground of a revolutionary. So if you had any revolutionary expectations, any revolutionary desires, any revolutionary delusions, uh, my man, what's my man? What's that song? This is America. This is America. Donnie Glover. Donnie Glover. This is America. I like that young man. You see what I'm saying? This is America. He had a battlefield that he fought on. So I think that we were living in such a time and such a peril and such a state that they threw us uh, President Obama, and it kind of put a lull on things. I'm not going to say it stopped. Everybody was like, well, I knew this and I knew that. It didn't fool me. I'm not saying for you always woke 24 hours, seven conscious, super revolutionaries. I'm not talking about you brothers and sisters. I'm talking about the masses of people. Listen, is, is this honest moment? You know how I come on here when we rap. You know how I get this is the People's Party. By the way, let me tell you, this is the People's Party, Black Panther Party Radio, man. This is our thing. Tap in if you agree. Tap in if you disagree. Tap in. I love to hear your opinion. This is what it's all about. This is why we have the program. It's a platform. So I'm honest with my peoples, and you guys are my people. Um, I cried. I cried. I think I didn't cry. I wasn't all sugary. A tear showed them. I think because it was more of, I don't believe I'm witnessing this. I don't give a damn. Listen, you can come in here and say, oh, he's biracial. He's half black, this and that. You and I both know a nigga is a nigga. A nigga is a nigga. And we had them at the ropes so bad that they were willing to let a nigga in the White House. Our problem was is we don't have strong political objectives, aims, and ideologies. We don't have enough political economic force and lobbyists and black businesses get behind our black candidates so that when they make moves, they know that 22 million black Africans here in America are backing them. We the apathetic ones. We the ones removed from politics. Oh, this ain't got nothing to do with it. But pay taxes, house taxes, land taxes, school taxes, sanitation taxes, food taxes, Clothes and taxes and all about politics ain't got nothing to do with you. That's you and I. So I can't get mad at no goddamn body else. I'm not mad at President Obama. I just look at the Negroes who don't vote. I ain't even talking. I'm talking about for local dog catcher. You know you niggas got pit bulls. And the dog catcher catch a pit bull, kick your pit bull in the ass. And you have an opportunity to change dog catchers because they say a lo- elect your local dog catcher, or change the law. Look, here, here's, here's a true life story. Up in Cleveland, they were voting to legalize marijuana in Cleveland. I know so many Negroes that smoke, you would think it's baby Jamaica. Just make the routine like that. We, we do a ting and ting. We do, they do a ting and ting in Cleveland. Opportunity to legalize it and None of these Negroes voted to legalize weed. I ain't talking about the president. I'm not talking. You'd rather jump and run from the police, from the popo. You'd rather get a ticket because, I mean, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, when you smoke weed, you get tickets. They catch you weed up, you get a ticket. You know what I'm saying? But here you have the opportunity 
to legalize something, where to decriminalize it, and not only in the decriminalization of it, to hurt not a chunk out of their illegal, out of their, what do they call it, the injustice system, to knock a chunk to hit their pockets, because that's what the justice system is about now, money. Prisons are privatized. So you have an opportunity to knock a chunk out of just, and due to apathy and a lack of understanding, you won't even at least go and do that much. It's ridiculous. So we didn't expect, uh, those of us that were revolutionary didn't expect any radical reformation, any real change under President Obama. But I think what, what the temperament and the sentiment in America at that time was at the point that it could have been so explosive that they gave African people something to lure us to sleep. And for a lot of us it did. For some of it, it didn't, but it did enough to change the climate. It did enough to change the climate. We toned down. And I'm not talking about toning down in the sense of, or we're going to go out and shake something, tear something up. Toning down in the sense of the direction of self-determination. Look at before President Obama came in, which a lot of us now are blind to. A lot of us forget Bush was in there. A lot of us forget about how much we were pulling together uh, up under Bush not just for the international folly and silliness and stupidity he was uh, displaying, but for the administration that came up under him, stop and frisk, under Giuliani and everybody in New York and just these laws where they was humiliating us and killing us like they still were doing, but it was just, uh. So they gave us something to quell that a little bit. All right, came in, Trump came. Niggas are, listen, I haven't heard black people be this political since I don't know when. A lot of us have awakened. A lot of us have begun to look into areas that we've never delved in before. We're, we, we begin to work with people who previously we would have never entertained the thought of holding a conversation with. We begin to mature and grow and especially under Trump, because we were already, uh, prior to that, becoming seasoned revolutionary. We were young jitterbugs, a lot of us, bouncing off the wall. We were all over the place. But we begin now we're a little more seasoned, a little more grown. And under Trump, we see how imperative it was that we come together, the imperativeness of it. See? So now, Let's lure the people to sleep again. COVID-19. Damn, there we go again. Now we're back, going back to where we started. Am I saying that this is not real? No. I don't get into the, because I'm a big conspiracy theorist. I'm one of those. I will sit here and hold you for three hours on where I think it came from, and my view will probably change every time. And when I talk to you, if yours is a little better than mine, I might say, you might be right. That alien might have did come down here injecting niggas. He might have did do that. Damn Martians. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm on some real talk. So in a chance, what I do know is it is affecting, real or not, the social dynamic in which we exist in. 
What are we going to do about that? It is affecting the social dynamic in which we exist in. What are we going to do about that? Short-term, immediate, short, immediate, and long-term. Right now, what are we doing about it? Psychologically, are we biting into the, I believe in social distancing, hey, I believe in social distancing. I'm old school. I used to do that anyway back in my G days. Hey, boy, give me, give me six feet. So I've been on that. I believe in social distancing. But have we, uh, not just spiritually, but I almost want to call it psychically, psychically, are we disconnecting socially, emotionally, which translates into real physical actions when we stop checking on one another, and not, and that's at the very least. Listen, let me tell you something. Checking on somebody is the very least you owe your community. I think that we have to get out of the age. We're in such a serious time now that we can't be in the age of giving accolades and uh, all of this other stuff, uh, accommodations and stuff for nothing. Checking on your neighbor is what you owe. Your neighbor. It's the cost of being in a neighborhood. Checking on the person to the left and the right of you is your obligation. You're obligated to do that. That's their right upon you and your right upon them. The love comes in when you and I begin to prepare for our neighbors or our loved ones. When we set aside for us, we set a portion aside when we store for us, there's a little extra storage for our brother, our sister, our like-minded, or just general people who look like us, beginning with. And I ain't even, no, because we're living in such times, you can't even be that general. That was cool when I was trying to gather all us together. Some of y'all Negroes can stay away. For same-minded people, like minded like minded see i would like to say when they say well what about white people back in the day i could be like no you know what i'm saying they'd be like you racist now i can say no because you biologically killing us so no we we can't afford to be around you right now i can't let you in my bunker you'll be all right out there i swear you'll make it you can't come in here buddy so this is when we go to, we have to make sure that this thing hasn't affected us to the degree that we have emotionally and psychically become detached. This is what we're looking at. Short-term houses affecting us short-term. And, and it should have exposed our lack of preparation. And I'm not even talking about to the general masses. Of course, my mouth is closer to my ears, but I am super proud of my team because I have a, a response team, and we're doing what we can do within our powers. You don't see us on the front. We'll send 100 soldiers to Louisiana with ventilators. We're not going to tell what we are. We're organizers and administrators. We, we, we're saying keep coming. We're trying to disciple and get to real information. We're trying to debunk a lot of stuff for the people who may not be as 
tech-savvy, internet-savvy, me for one. I am so appreciative and grateful for my team because, like I said, yo, I'm a huge conspiracy theorist. If I didn't have the likes of my team, man, you couldn't tell me Trump didn't work with Kim Jong-un to manufacture this in the basement of an Israel, in, in the Israeli laboratory. I got all kind of stuff, you know. So I'm glad for my team putting out the uh, as the information that we're gathering, doing due diligence to make it as accurate and sound and to back it uh, with as much as it can be backed scientifically, medically. This is what it's about. And we're also here giving suggestions for us to be able to operate in this time. This is what we're talking about immediate right now how it's affecting us right now and how we can, what can we do right now to give us suggestions. But we learn from it as we go into, we look for long term. We learn from it and we see where we weren't prepared. And like I said, my mouth is close to my ears, but I'm speaking specifically to so-called revolutionary parties or progressive black parties. We weren't prepared for this shit. It caught us off guard completely. And not only did it catch us off guard, we were so ill-prepared that we didn't even, like, it wasn't instinctive for us to come up with a contingency, to begin to work together. I have people actually calling me, and thank God not from our party. I had someone call me who was formerly a member of a party. I'll just, I wish I could say this party. You guys just lost a pretty good member. Uh a member of a party, and oh, due to our politics, I will not grab this brother, but yo, mm. and he was like, yo, what is everybody doing? I said, that's a good question. You know, I know what city they're in, this and that, and we talked, and I was like, uh, dude, what are the people doing in your city? No clue. They did, some people wasn't reaching back. It was just chaos. So when you have members, I was just thinking, man, if this is a member of a party that is feeling this way, just imagine how the general public is feeling. The chaos, the uncertainty that they must be going through. And not only do we not have the resources, we don't have the wherewithal or the mindset to set a fucking fine example. That's just what kills me. I don't even see a fine example. I don't even see where a party was so gathered together that a party is showing a fine example. I still see in this age where there could be possibly a pandemic, us possibly. Maybe, but you know, I don't want to be too hard on it, though, because in a time when morale is low, anything that boosts morale is, is, is welcome. So maybe it's a morale booster. But I'm hoping, at the very least, what we learn from this, that we begin to take a real look at ourselves and begin a real self-analysis, critical self-criticism. Uh, you know, not the self-criticism that's going to make you fall into a depression, brother. So don't be somewhere in the corner. You're already quarantined. Beating yourself up. But just really on, yo, how can we do better? How can we do better? And it's tough. You know, I won't sit here and say that it's an easy thing. This is the purpose and point of an organization. 
like uh, those of you that know me, know my father, Chairman Carr, like he always says, see, I, don't, I can't steal somebody or use someone's stuff and not give, you know, say where it came from. It's just wrong. Uh, but like Chairman Carr, when he always talks about organs being like, organizations being like the organ in a body, excuse me, and, and how no organ argues with itself. The heart doesn't argue with the spleen. The spleen doesn't argue with the liver. In fact, when organs cease to function properly, or if they do attack one another, there is a form of retardation, or there's a deficiency in that body. It's not a properly functioning, functioning body. And so it has to work harder. We want a, right now we're in the stage of retardation and deficiencies, and we have to work harder because anything that uh, affects us is nothing that is incurable. And I'm not even talking about COVID-19. There's nothing that affects us as a people that is incurable. And I'm definitely not talking about COVID-19, which is recoverable from. You know what I'm saying? But this should just be one of those things. Let's not keep getting wake-up calls. And should we survive this? Hell, this is not over. It's not over. To my last checking, I believe that President Trump was, uh, I mean, he hasn't said he wouldn't, but isn't April 30th the deadline for the self-imposed quarantine? So we still have to see what happens with that. There's going to be a big argument with that. Of course he's ready to start stimulating the economy again. It's really affecting the economy. While we don't see it right now because, like I said, we're in 30 days and most of us are black, while we're the hardest hit by it because we suffer, we, we suffer the trickle-down effect. We don't know yet. When it hits the economy, we're going to still be kind of the last to kind of fill it, the majority of us, because the majority of us live below poverty level. Excuse me. So the majority of us live below poverty level. So when things are shaking on a whole different spectrum, it takes a minute for it to trickle down to you and I. We feel it a little later. I still would say be vigilant because that dictates the moves, the policies, procedures, and practices of a people who will throw you on the barbecue and get them out of anything. Shit, I told you I'm a conspiracy theorist. Shit, I wouldn't be surprised they made a pact with the devil to take the Negroes, give them COVID, give us life. Man, I don't put nothing past it. So why we have to inoculate and you know, should sell ourselves off. Give me the lead walls. Shit. It's real tough. But but so we're looking at um how we how this affects us. Like I said, we're not out of it, but are we taking this opportunity to begin to prepare? Not just immediately but for the long term. How do we plan to come out of this? We're getting hit the hardest by it because of one of the, the, the reasons because of the conditions that we were forced to live in, the foods that we were forced to eat, 
Dr. Sabi, may peace be upon Dr. Sabi, and he be elevated, man. That was a wonderful, brilliant man. Said that when you brought the African from Africa, did you bring his foods? For those of you that have native blood in you, what is particular to, I know some natives don't eat tomatoes, can't process tomatoes. What's particular to your biological makeup, to your genetics? What food complements that and what food distracts from it? Do we know these things? And do we have a people studying them that break them down that it doesn't have to be this damn deep scientific study or I have to join the cult of healthy living to just eat right? Can we begin to infuse it in a black culture that it just is, like they say fried chicken just is? Like they say, fried chicken just is. So we look at it like that. What? Man, I lost my thought. Because my, my mind is running so fast. And there's so much, you know, when you're looking at this thing and you look at it, like I said, and they're talking about, he's talking about 30 days may end the quarantine. Uh, and we're looking at the effects, if it doesn't, the effect. People are struggling with their rent. People still have to go on. Yeah, you may suspend eviction notices now and doing all these things, but what's the effect after that? Are we in a position to do anything for our people? I'm surprised. You know what I think has surprised me the most, though? Because we are convincing calling people. I'm surprised that a black convention hasn't been convened. This is how I know we're losing a lot of our greats. I swear. I swear. This is how I know we're losing a lot of our greats. And a lot of us out here now don't have the influence or the sway to get the people to come together to call. Well, I guess now you couldn't call it a convention because, you know, COVID. But I mean at least a major conference call. Maybe one's been called and they say, Yanga, you ain't banging enough to be involved in it. Quite possibly. But that we don't hold the sway that major organizations, I haven't seen one, heard one about NAACP, Farrakhan, damn Al Sharpton, and whoever else these big wigs convene a conference call for the state of black America, our so-called leaders. Y'all sure when CNN call y'all asses, Y'all sure on there, speaking about our state, our condition, our plight. But I haven't seen what you guys have called and can be, and they're already, Trump is already talking about a bipartisan bill. He's already talking about working with the libertarians and the Democrats and everybody else. Bipartisan. We haven't called, we haven't, I haven't seen one of us do that. And I'm talking about the ones that allegedly have clout. It's consorting. It's concerning. You know, I, it's just about really stepping up the game. I think that if any time, in as far in my, as far as in my history, that things have gotten real, real, it is now. 
And we face a lot of things. It is now. It is now. Because I see how not only is this affecting us directly with us being the uh, highest hit by it or the most susceptible to this due to the condition, but I'm seeing how it's going to affect the world. And if you don't have, that's why I was talking about the human race, we're all the human race. Yep. And they said many cities don't peak into May. So we ain't even at peak. We, we ain't even at peak. Many cities don't peak to May. So when you're looking at, but I want to go back and, and, and talk about the human race. When we talked about the human race, and you hear the people say, oh, it's all the human race, we're all in the human race, uh, it's human in a race. And when you talk about something affecting globally or internationally, where are you at internationally? Not only maybe internationally are you looked at as just an American, but you're a nigger. You're a black American. You're the lowest of the spectrum. You're the lowest. They come internationally to be parasites off of you. They come from across seas to feed off of you economically, even culturally. Going to your stores with the Arab, the Hindi, the white man, the Jew, everybody but you. If you're in there, you're working, you're at work. I'm talking about going, so internationally, you know, so what do you think you look like nationally? So when something begins to affect us nationally, I get concerned or affects the global, us globally, I get concerned for us as a people nationally, not just locally. Because when the world stops feeling your pain, your self is in trouble. Every revolution must go international. Every revolution must have international sentiment. Every revolution. Every revolution. Every revolution must have international sentiment. Because every revolutionary is anti-oppression and anti-injustice. And if your revolution isn't founded in that, you're not having a revolution. You're having a hissy fit. My revolution happens to be a black revolution because I am a black man suffering injustices. I am a black man suffering oppression. I am a black man suffering suppression for no other reason than I'm a black man. That's it. I ain't did shit to nobody. I haven't done anything to anyone. I shouldn't have to constantly live in fear of my life. I shouldn't have to raise my children differently than other people. I shouldn't have to raise my children with the possibility that you could be murdered that there is no American dream like that. You build your own dreams. You make your own shit. All that's make-believe, son. This is our, our, our daughter. Here's our reality. But that's the truth of it. And if you don't have international support, then you can forget about it. So if the re revolution is crushed internationally, Revolution is crushed nationally. 
Our fight is a, is, is a larger fight. This COVID-19 is bigger than just our neighborhoods. It's bigger than just quarantine for two weeks or four weeks. It's bigger than just buying all the damn toilet paper. It is a time to take a serious look. It's a time to take serious, uh, to analyze seriously. It's time to be very real about what we're trying to do and be very intentful, purposeful, driven, and directed. It's time to begin to reach out to one another and come up with plans, short-term, immediate, and long-term. Short-term, immediate, long-term. And not just plans for us. It might have to be immediate. Make sure yourself, if you can't help anyone, if you can't help yourself, make sure your immediate needs and things are taken care of for long-term. How will we as a people make it through, get through, continue? How is we as a people? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, let me see. I, this is this is my chief, and I believe this is my chief. And then listen, press one, chief. If that's you, press one. I'm about to open your mic because we're coming in our last ten minutes. That's a good point. My chief said, "The point is, why does it take lockdown to cause us?" I think this is chief. Is this? I don't know. I don't want to call out the number. The point is, why does it take lockdown to cause us to get right? Again, we're being oppressed, but conditions can serve as an advantage if we learn from this historical moment. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. I couldn't agree with that more. And this is the time. This is the time to do it. This is the time. This is the time to do it. If no, no other time. Listen, we're coming in on the last 10 minutes. This is the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm Chairman Yanga. If you want to say a few words, I don't know. I don't want to open up your line, Chief, and you not want to be open. If you want to be open, hit it, and we can say a few words. For the listeners, if you want to get on and say a few things, please chime in. Let's open up. Chief. Chief. Call the people. Call the people, Chairman. Call to the people. Call to the people, man. Chairman, I read what you, I read what you had sent me, but Chairman, elaborate a little bit on this, man, and share with us coming into our last minutes of the show. Basically what I'm getting at is um, the thing is, if, if nothing else, people, the bottom line is is this is an opportunity, like the chairman is constantly saying, this is an opportunity for us to reflect and get our act together. It should show us that we must, we must be able to come together with one another. We must come to grips with our, con- our conditions that we've basically been allowing to get the best of us all this time and, you know, change things up. We got to change up our diets. We got to change up how we look at things. We got to change up our conditions that allows us to continually be uh, subservient in terms of our ability to be self-sufficient for for ourselves. We got to move forward with the mindset to be self-sufficient as a people, at least to some degree. 
you know, mm-hmm. going to the revolutionary concept, that would be revolutionary into itself, is that a, a good percentage of us, a higher percentage than what is, what is currently involved in social activism, actually take a stand and do something to, to uh, mm-hmm. empower their condition, empower themselves to the point to where they're doing it at a position of community, uh, community level, at a position of trying to bring our people together. I'm not saying that, hey, I lost my job, and so now let me just simply focus on alternative means of economics. No, the point right. being, as a collective people, we are in a position to where we need to find out how we can depend on our, each other and create a new stream of circulation within our community. Let's look at what we got, like, like you said with the neighbor. Let's be accountable for our neighbor and look into a way that we can benefit from one another. That way we can actually start the process of the dollar and of economics and of resources circulating within our communities. That will be a revolutionary path toward empowerment. And so what I'm saying is that's the direction we go in. It's not about just what can I do economically or individually to move myself forward. How can I make sure that the community is able to benefit by that mentality? Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's and 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 you know, with us struggling with that already, this and that what that is what one of the things that concern me with the whole COVID nineteen and you know, did that just really reiterate and reemphasize rather the that psyche that we have of already being divided. You know, and I love that like you said, it starts with something simple. How is this dollar empowering all of us? I used to have a program, man, that I advocated chief a long time ago when we were um, when I was sharing Atlanta for another formation uh, that the party had got a Sam's Club card. I mean, just as some some as simple as that, you know. Mm-hmm. And we went in together and got excuse me the bulk of things together and divided the uh, paper towels and the soap detergent and things uh, uh, things of those nature. So just anything that begins with communal empowerment, and their small footsteps. You know, a lot of times I think we want to jump in it and we want to save the world overnight. You know, we want to do that thing. We want to see the world change drastically then. But something as simple as working with your neighbors, checking on your neighbors, and creating economic plans for that. But go ahead, Chief, continue. I just want to jump in and, and throw that in there. Well, I think I think that's that really is just the gist of it. I, the you know, and like one of the things we said on the previous broadcast, uh, it's just a perfect opportunity for us to self-reflect on who we are, what we are, and what we can contribute. As people who consider themselves to be locked in and, and forced to have to reckon with themselves, these are the kind of things that you should be focusing on. You know, you probably a lot of people may have a bookshelf with full of books that done gathered up dust on them. And, you know, and someone says some powerful stuff to them at one point in time, and they went and grabbed that book, but they actually never cracked that, them pages open. Hey, this would be a good time mm-hmm. to go and grab that book, you know what I mean, and go see what o- Oba uh, Tashaka was actually talking about and when he was dealing with the art of leadership. Go see what the political legacy of Malcolm X was really about. You know, go 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 crack some of those books open and, and see what, what's really going on instead of just looking sweet on your bookshelf. This is the time to find out who we are, and we got the opportunity. So we as a community, we as a people and as an individual, are we going to seize that time and actually do something that can benefit us to where 
there is a positive coming out of this. Or are we going to continue to carry the legacy of being a victimized person? Mm. See, mm. we have to move away from that. We can't always fall back on being a victim and then just beat our mm-hmm. chest as if, yeah, black people are suffering the most since COVID-19. Look at it again. We get it. Okay, we get it. Until we empower ourselves, you can expect the predators to constantly prey upon you. That is a given. There is no reason for them to change how they operate if you don't change how you operate. If you want to maintain being a, a, a field cow and you want to maintain having that pretty hide that looks like it ought to be, it, it ought to be sucked up, it ought to be ripped down, and it ought to be digested, then how do you expect them to act any different? Period. You have to start that change. You have to stand up and be like, enough is enough. I will not continue to allow myself to be in this position of victimization. I will not internalize and and digest maintaining myself as a victim. So I have to first look at myself as being something other than a person that needs to be taken advantage of, period. So these are the kind of things and kind of thoughts that our people need to be reflecting on in this moment of this, 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 this situation here on this lockdown. Let's not let this physical lockdown be a mental lockdown. It actually needs to be the opposite. You're physically locked down, so let's have a mental opening, a conscious opening, yeah. and a development towards yeah. it. That's it, Trevor. Well, I like that. Let's have a, you know, since we're physically locked down, let's have a mental opening. And that's right. And, 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 it, and that's what I've been doing, taking advantage of the uh, reading and stuff, the opportunity to read and get some thoughts together uh, before I got sick, a little physical exercise. You know, you know, I slick think I'm karate man, so I've been able to brush off my, my little uh, cottons and all my little things. I hope I never have to try to pull them out, but I didn't got rusty. Uh, so, you know, here's, a, here's that opportunity. And, and with that, to work on some self-perfection or whatever you like to call it, self-building, uh, don't forget about your people. Don't forget about starting immediately with your family. That is right there with a lot of us, quarantined, and, you know, the opportunity to build. Because any revolution, any of it, all of this starts with family. Strengthening, re-strengthening, awakening, reawakening, and all of these, the good and the great and all the things that are family, the talents that lay dormant, the things that people were trying, issues that we should have talked about, never had the opportunity to, different ways to communicate, cooking together, just times to really stretch the whole concept of family now and family being the core component of revolution, not just spending family time, but those of us that are revolutionary taking this opportunity to mold our families into revolutionary families. That in itself is something else because when you say that, what do you mean? I'm not talking about having your woman out there 6 in the morning with a grenade launcher, nigga, and black uh, camo on her face unless she get off like unless that's her thing. If that's what y'all do, hey, get your grenade launchers. But I'm talking about revolution being like what my chief of staff said, spending. Here's the time to work on budgets. If ever there's been a time to work on budgets, this cutback in work and stuff is a time to work on budgets, a time to really see if the things that we've been indulging in are that important. Can I cut back on some of these things? To be conscious of the lights. Hey, you're saving electricity, you're saving the planet. To be conscious of water usage, because you got to keep your water today, you're saving the planet. So just 
Here's an opportunity to show our revolution in our connection to all things. Um, and then after starting with your family, I say, you know, your neighbors, people that you know, call. Do the FaceTime. I have to do more of that. I've been sleeping. After my little workouts and stuff, I've I've been sleeping. I've been taking really advantage of kind of this quarantine. Um, but now it's time to, even for me to get out and start FaceTiming and getting to work and doing all the things and put, making, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Here's just the time for us really to get together and to hone in on those skills that are largely neglected in our revolution or our revolutionary progressive organizations. I see a lot of us, we do train the physical. We do train the mental. But have we trained the educational aspect, and I'm not even talking about just in political education, but in logistics. For you, those of you that don't know how to read, read a map, maybe now's the time to learn to read a map. You know what I'm saying? Learn logistics. Learn organizational skills. Listen, I'm going back some of my reading. Chief, you might find this funny. I'm going back over stuff you've written. I have some of your writings. I'm like, now I can take the time probably to try to decipher some of this. <laughs> figure, out, figure out how this works. So Here's the time to really step our game up, and I hope we take advantage of it. Listen, I got a couple minutes with you. Uh, I'm going to ask the chief before we close out. Chief, did you want to say any last words with them, with the people? i say the last thing is um, that I want to throw out there is dealing with, like you said, strengthening, strengthening not just the physical and mental, but let's look at the psychological damage that, is, that has been caused that makes us revert back to the previous ways in which we deal with things. So mm. look, look within yourself and, and accept and embrace the problems that you've had in the past, the problems or the way you out you look at something. It's not about putting up your front face now. It's about actually coming to grips with our condition, coming to grips with our situation. So we're not trying to beat each other over the head with the fact that this is how we are. The point is, is okay, now that we see that we're facing this, now that we see that we're, what position it puts us in in terms of being codependent, what can we do to come up out of it? And the first thing you have to do is change your psychological approach into how you view life and how you deal with life. Because if you don't deal with it from that perspective first, then in the heat of the moment, in the heat of being able to engage with fear, then you will, you will revert right back to how you always have dealt with things. It's not as simple as, like I said, having that book in your presence. You actually have to crack some pages open, read it, and actually ingest that and make that a part of your appetite for moving forward. I can't just hide well, it, and, it, it, and, and I'm empowered because I got it in my hands. Like people, you know, get on social media and pose with their with they, with they little book spread like that's something. The point is, is how much of that is actually you? How much of that yeah. can can you make your you know make a part of your actual mentality? So this is a time to do that. So psychologically, let's prepare ourselves for a revolutionary process. That's absolutely, 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 and I appreciate that. I appreciate that you that war. Uh, man, absolutely. So those are wise parting words. Listen, check my hit us on the Facebook page. Join us, People's Black Panther Party Facebook page. One of the reasons you want to join that page is because we have more programs than on Sunday, and you will be missing out. We had a youth come on and do his thing. So 
check the page out. It's not just informative, and some of the stuff is entertaining. Never gross. Never gross, never obscene towards our, towards our people or any human beings. You know, we don't tolerate that. The first thing I think that any revolutionary must understand is they must be humanitarian. Loving yourself and loving your people uh, is not a crime. The crime is being anti-humanitarian, doing something oppressive to any human. I, I, to me personally, any living thing. I don't even like people who kick dogs. I just think it's terrible. But um, so check our page out. You can get that information. If I'm not mistaken, Keith, your Sunday you'll be on this Sunday, won't you? Yeah, and this is this next coming Sunday, correct? Next coming Sunday's coming up, Chief. Like I said, check in the meantime. In between time, I'm sure we got something coming up. I appreciate everyone. Spending that time with your brother, your boy, Yang and Krumah, your chairman, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. See you guys the Sunday after Chief is Sunday. Who knows, man? I may even pop in there on a weekday to mess with the brothers and sisters. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Chief, I appreciate you taking your time out, man, coming in and uh, blessing the show with your presence. With that, yes, sir. I'm going to leave everyone as I greet you. And that's all powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, to a Native people, and black power. That's how. Thank you.